0: All right. All righty, man. Good morning. God bless you. Uh, round two. <laughs> round two. Being sensitive to the spirit, bro. Being sensitive to the spirit. You know, I'm just thankful again. Um, I'm thankful for, you know, just you guys being here. Um Pre-COVID, We took this stuff for granted. We took, you know, gathering together and stuff for granted. And uh, no longer do I uh, take those things for granted anymore. I mean, you know, it's just good. The Bible says it's good for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And just for us being here is a tremendous blessing for those who uh, just came or got here late last night. God bless you. Uh, we, we just are thankful that you're here as well, and, um, and we're going to dive right in because uh, I, my time is cut a little bit. So let's see how far we can get. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Father, thank you again for this awesome opportunity to share your word with your precious men Your men here, Lord. And we're just thankful that you made us men. And so, Lord, now teach us as men, uh, teach us the truth of your word. Teach us, God, how to walk in your ways. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. First Samuel, chapter 30, looking at verses one through six. The title of this message is overcoming grief overcoming grief and this is part one of this message you know I I wanted us to look at grieving from the perspective of David because we live in a world today that you know really the world is trying to feminize us as men the world will not be happy until it looks like uh Uh, the Amazon island of Wonder Woman, where there are no men present, and there are these he-men, he he women, he-women, just running around, flipping, shooting arrows. They won't be happy until the world looks like that. But, you know, I'm also looking at whenever there are interviews today, and they're interviewing men, they're always asking us, but But how did that make you feel? Well, you know, I, I'm a little upset, and you know. But how did it really make you feel? Uh, (laughs) But I was, (laughs) and they want us crying, handing tissue. The ratings are up, and you know, just crazy, crazy stuff. So. And then there's the other side for those who are my age and older. We, you know, we were taught you don't you don't express your feelings. You just you be a man. You know, suck it up. You know, you get spanked, and it's you, supposed to hurt when you get spanked. You get spanked, and you cry. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! And you, <laughs> <laughs> because that, that's you know, we were told not to you know really express. So those are the two extremes, and it's nothing wrong with. Men, you know, shedding tears. And so don't get me wrong with that. Remember, I said those are two extremes. So I wanted to talk about and look at David and his men as they grieve. Now, in the Jewish culture, they were very demonstrative in their expressions. So we will see their expressions here just carried out in a very demonstrative kind of way. Uh, and so different cultures express things you know, differently. So I just had to give you that background. We're going to look at them. Grieve. Because all of us will experience grief in this lifetime. We will experience or go through a time of sorrow, sadness, and heartache. Usually this is associated with death. How do we overcome grief when it comes our way. I didn't say if, when it comes our way. Is there a time frame that we're supposed to grieve and then we just tell people to suck it up, buttercup, and it's time to get over it and move on? I believe these questions are going to be answered as we go through this chapter. Now, by way of background, um, because we talked about You know, chapter 24 last night, looking at verse 30. So the background, God had just rescued David from something I believe that would have haunted him the rest of his life. He was about to go to war against his very own people. I mean, the Israelites, he was about to go to war by being with the Philistines during battle. And I believe that God intervened by having the kings of the Philistines object by seeing David and his 600 men lined up with them. Now, the, the scene is, is this, you know, for those who were you know, in, the, in the military, you know, you, you're marching and, you know, and you're marching and, and then you're looking at the dignitaries as you're marching, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So here is Achish, uh, one, one of the kings of the Philistines. He has his boys. They're about to go to battle. And at the end of the battle is David and his 600 men. So they pass and review. Well, I left, and You know, they're doing all this. And then they, they look. They said, whoa, 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 stop the spray here. Who are these Hebrews back here like this? Please don't tell me this is David, the one they used to sing the top hits, you know, top 40 hits. They made it to number one. Uh, David trained in 10,000, saw just as thousands. Please tell me that's not him. Yeah, you know, he's, he's good. You know, he's all right. You know, he's with me now. He's been with me by the end a couple years. He's good. They said, no. No, he got to go because we could be in the midst of battle. And all of a sudden he said, look, I'm going to try to get back in with Saul so I can start killing Philistine. They said, we can't risk that. Get this dude out and make him go back home. That's the background. So here is David and his 600 men heading back to the city of Ziglag. What happened next? Look at verses one through five. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They <clears throat> did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, uh, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, in these verses, we're introduced to the tragic incident that brought grief and sorrow into the lives of David and his men. In verse one, we saw that it took David and his men three days to travel from the city of Aphex, where they did the pass and review with the Philistines, to get to Ziklag. When they arrived, the Amalekites had invaded the south, and then, which happened to be where Ziklag was, and they burned it with fire. Now, the word Ziklag in, in Hebrew, it means measured or pressed together. And this is how life is here on this side of heaven, life here on this earth. Uh, There are tragic and difficult events that will stretch us emotionally and press us in a corner spiritually and physically. And this is where David and his men found themselves. I want to bring something else to your attention And that is the phrase, and burned it with fire. Of course, this is referring to the city of Ziglag, but why is this significant? Because I believe that God was showing mercy to David once again. See, there are times like this when God will allow for relationships to burn or job opportunities to go up in smoke. Because these relationships and jobs will take us farther away from the Lord. So God, in his mercy, will allow our zigzag to be burned up and to be burned down. You know why? Because God is going to use it to bring us back to him. It has to be burned down. This is why. Watch this. God has to burn our zigzag down because we will be tempted to go back to it again and again and again. And God will allow for it to burn up. Something else I want to bring to your attention. Notice who this enemy was, the Amalekites. Now, keep in mind, the Amalekites, the Philistines, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, all the other ites in the Old Testament, you know them. They are, they are a picture or type of the flesh, the fleshly nature, our old nature that does not want to cooperate with God. Our fleshly desires, our fleshly inclinations, they are a picture of them. And do you remember how God told King Saul to wipe out all of the Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15? He said, leave no one alive. Saul partially obeyed and left some of them alive. And now here is David and his men in grief over Saul's disobedience. Oh, if Saul had obeyed God and wiped out all the Amalekites, oh, this incident would not have taken place. or well, at least it wouldn't have taken place with the Amalekites. Let this be a lesson to all of us. Our partial, watch this, our partial obedience is total disobedience. Our failure to totally obey God will have far-reaching consequences. Our children's children's children may feel the effects of it. Oh, to show you, Saul left the king of the Amalekites alive. Now, God told him to go and wipe out all the Amalekites, And Saul left the king alive. His name was Agag. And watch this. Now fast forward almost 500 years later. In the book of Esther, a man named Haman. Wanted to kill and wipe out all of the Jews. Oh, he already had two days set aside that this was going to take place. He wanted to annihilate all of the Jews. And guess what? Haman was an Agagite, a descendant of King Agag. And because of Saul's disobedience. 500 years later, the Jews were almost wiped off the planet, feeling the effects of his disobedience. See, we don't realize our little partial obedience. We say, well, I I, I partially obey. I, I didn't do it all the way, but it can have ramifications that can be felt by our children's children's children. Years, years later. Now, there is something I want you to see in verse two. Notice how the Amalekites had taken captive the women, those small and great. And here's the phrase and didn't kill anyone. I believe once again, this is another act of mercy by God. I say act of mercy by God because you remember And for those who know their Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 27, verse 11, whenever David went to cities, different cities, he will wipe out everyone. He will go to these Philistine cities and wipe out everyone so no one can come back and tell Achish What he was really doing. Achilles would ask David, Hey David, where you been? And David said, Oh, you know, I've been down that southern area where Judah is, Israelites. I've been just killing up some Israelites. No, he was killing Philistines. And he wiped everyone out so no one can go back and snitch and say, No, David is killing us. See, here's the thing we have to see. I believe this was an act of mercy because. When the Amalekites came to the city of Ziklag, they didn't kill anyone. God could have easily have allowed for David's wives and all their wives to be just wiped out. And once again, I believe that God was showing an act of mercy on David's part. Now there are times God will do this in our lives as an act of mercy towards us. It reminds me of what Psalm 103 verses 10 and 11, it says, he, God, has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. God is so merciful towards us. He doesn't deal with us according to what our sin deserves. We deserve hell. And we deserve for God to deal severely with us. But like Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love by which he loved us. God shows us mercy because he loves us so much. So the Amalekites did not kill anyone. But just carried them away and went their way. So I want to draw your attention to the phrase carried them away. The, the Hebrew word for this phrase carried them away is nahag. And it means to drive forth. The picture is is how animals are driven off by our herdsmen. And, and this is what our fleshly desires the Amalekites want to do to us. Drive us forth forth to pursue our fleshly appetites. And when we are taken captive by our fleshly desires, it will drive us like a herdsman would do to animals, drive us to fulfill our flesh more and more. Come on, do it again. You already sinned. So go into you're already in trouble with God. So just keep doing it. And it would just drive our flesh was to drive us to fulfill It's fleshly desires. So when David and his men came to the city in verse three, it was burned and their wives, sons and daughters were taken. They lifted up their voices and wept. And listen how hard they wept until they had no more power to weep, according to verse four. I mean, this is deep pain and grief. David understood the grief of his men because watch this. His home was burned and his family was taken as well. And this is why, don't miss this, precious people. This is why God allows his children to experience heartaches and grief so we can relate to those around us weeping and grieving. Second Corinthians one verses three and four says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God allows us to experience grief so that he can uh, uh, comfort us, and so we can be relatable to a grief-stricken world around us. When God comforts us, we can be an extension of his comfort to this hurting world. We, God's people, are an extension of God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, and comfort to this world, whether we want to accept that or not. We are called to comfort them, watch this, with the same comfort we receive from God. This will mean that God will allow the Amalekites to burn our homes and carry off our families as captives like we see here. Oh, I, I know many people who have been burned by people who have forgiven them. I know of many people whose wife, husband, teens who were carried off captive by drugs and alcohol and, and pornography. And they were rescued and God uses them to bring comfort to other families going through similar things. And so David and his men were weeping from a deep place, deep down within, where it left them physically exhausted Oh, as I mentioned earlier, David wasn't exempt from tragedy because uh, verse five said his two wives were taken, too. Sometimes I I think I think we're under the delusion sometimes that I believe that Christians aren't supposed to go through things, that somehow we're exempt from tragedies and grief. That's just not true. How would we ever know? We just sunk it. How we ever know that God is a way maker. If you've never been in a tight spot and needed him to make a way out for you. Oh, it'll just be words. We're singing. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. I'm darkness, I'm God. That is who you are. It's just words. But if you ever been in a tight spot. You ever been in a difficult place that you needed God to make a way out? Oh, now you know Him as Waymaker. So when you get in here and start singing the song, Oh, Waymaker, oh, you're singing it with some conviction now. Because you saw Him do that for you, you saw Him make a way in your life. How would you ever know that He's a healer if you've never been sick and needed Him to heal? How would you ever know that God is a miracle worker if you've never been in an impossible situation that only he could bail you out? So we go through difficult things, too. Let me just share something personal with you. He's going to relate to you because this is, is what's happening. You know, I, I am real neurotic. I'm really neurotic about my body and the health of my body. I know it may not look like it. I'm still a Marine under there. I'm just padded up a little bit. That's all. So I I take every vitamin and supplement known to man. If there's an infomercial or commercial about making you better, I either have tried it or it's on my shelf somewhere. I'm just neurotic about my body. Then when COVID hit, so I I got even more neurotic because I, I just, you know, I just because whenever I get sick, the first thing that happens when I get sick, it attacks my voice. I make my living with my voice. I need that voice. So. So, you know, so I'm doing my thing, doing my thing. Covid is hitting, you know, you know, and I'm I'm doing Covid like this. Whoa, you missed there. Whoa, missed over there. And I'm done. Okay. I'm speaking throughout Hawaii in August this past August. And so I, the last thing I spoke, uh, well, one of, the, one of the places, I spoke at a pastor's conference out in Hawaii. And it was over, uh, it was over a thousand people. So you know how people are, you know, everybody hugging, shaking, you know, hey, how you doing? Hey, good, good, hey, all right, okay. You know how it goes. So we get home, my wife and I, we get home and I, I tell my wife, I said, gun it. I said, I feel like I'm catching the cold. So immediately <clears throat> get the day quill, night quill, I start dumping it, dumping it. I said, Oh, you know, all right. I just I feel like I'm catching the cold. And all of a sudden, my youngest son here, he said, Dad, take a test. Took a test. Good. Negative. All right, good. But I still feel like I'm catching the cold. More day quill, more night quill. And then I, you know, felt it was getting a little, a little worse. I said, oh, I'm in the midst of a cold. Dad, take another test, took another test, positive. So in August, I. Um, so I got I got COVID in August. And. By the grace of God. It it was not what it could have been. It was only by the grace of God. Well, see, what happened, no, it, you know what? It was it was that Sunday, cause no, I didn't even go to church. It was that Saturday. That Saturday that I got that positive test. So I was supposed to I stayed back. We were having a family vacation in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My wife and my um, <clears throat> my middle son, they took off already. They left on Saturday. I said, look, I want to at least teach one more time on Sunday. And then I will drive down on Sunday you know, to meet you all there. When I got the positive test Saturday night, I couldn't teach and I was not going to South Carolina because I'm positive. Didn't want to make anybody else sick and all that kind of mess. Oh boy. So I had to thank God they were going to be down there. We were going to be down there a week. They were already there. They stayed the week because, you know, I had to quarantine at least 10 days. So all of a sudden, around the last day, my wife said, I feel a little something. She took the test positive. She comes home. So now I got to quarantine again because now my wife who is a new positive, she comes home. So I got to quarantine again. So basically, I was quarantined in my bedroom for almost a month. So now I like being alone, even though I'm around people all the time. I love being alone. So but even that put me to the test. It was crazy. So I said all that to say this, that, that God. Okay, all right, I'm running out of time. Oh, doggone! I just got started, man. (laughs) Okay, all right. Okay, so I I, I became positive, and the Lord shared with me, "Me, this is my individual case that God allowed for me." Second Corinthians one three through five. God allowed for me to have COVID. Number one, to give me a, a passion and compassion for those who are getting COVID. So I can have because, see, I was singing a different tune and a different song as long as I was dodging COVID like this. But then when I got it, I was able to comfort them, others, with the same comfort by which I received from God. No longer if I'm just flip throwing out flipped statistics and flipped data and this person and flippantly doing no, 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 no. No, I know what it was to have it. I know what it was to to lose my smelling and taste. I like to eat. by the grace of God, it was only three days for me that I lost smell and, and taste. To this day, my wife still can't smell. Talk to my doctor. My doctor said he has a case where there's a woman who still has diarrhea one year after having covid. One year. So I'm I'm telling you this because many of you and others are just flip about this whole thing of COVID. Let me tell you another case. My friend who pastors a a, a church, a, a Baptist church in Newport News, he said, bro, bro, watch this. We lost 88 people at our church to COVID. Lost 88 people at our church. This is why we're still not open. We lost 88 people. A, a pastor friend of mine that was at that Hawaii conference. I remember talking to him. He pastored the Calvary Chapel in Guam. He almost died. I was talking to this guy at the conference. He almost died. He got home. He was so bad that the hospital in Guam said, we got to send you home. There's nothing more we can do. Another pastor at the conference, he, he said it loud enough. I was on the end of a panel discussion Q and A. Q&A. He said it where I can hear him. He was sitting like over there. He said I almost died from COVID. So you can be flip and give you, and, and throw out your stats and the statistics and quote your little doctors and all that kind of stuff. Wait until you get it. See, because you, you can do me. Woo, hoo, hoo. And you can say, ah, oh, it ain't nothing, nothing but a little thing. You know, I, you know, I had a friend of mine. Yeah, I just had a little ache in my neck, and that was about it, you know. And you can be flip all you want. But when you're down, I had another pastor friend, another pastor friend. He had it showing pictures on Facebook with oxygen and snow laid up in the hospital bed. His twin brother, same thing happened to him. So you can be flip. And I, and I was a little flip because I did my good dodge and I did a little Fred Astaire, a little, you know, woo hoo hoo And then when I got it and I was down, oh, I started singing a different tune when God comforted me. And now when I talk to people who either have a relative, matter of fact, for those NBA fans like I am, it's about Three days before the season started, but that's another thing. (laughs) Carl Anthony Towns lost his mama to COVID and seven other relatives. He said, I almost quit the NBA. He almost quit playing. I know another heard about another in the black community. I heard about another pastor. If he was the pastor, his son was the co-pastor. Both of them got taken out by COVID. How do you think that church is surviving right now? Not only was he the pastor, his son, who was going to take over for him, wiped both of them out. So for me, God allowed for me to get it so I can sing a different tune. So I can go around in situations like this and say, be very careful on how flip you talk about it. Because matter of fact, matter of fact, we lost. That I know about. Four people at our church to cover. I mean, these are folks I used to see all the time. And they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. And you walk around with your stats and you walk around with your percentages and you are one percent of the only one percent have ever died, you know. And guess what? There are several people that, you know, and I know is part of that one percent that died. Look like a little more than one percent. Oh, but see, according to my stats, stop with your stats and start having compassion for people. You know what's happened? You know what's happened? I'm going to tell you what's happened. I believe that the church today, the church today have become the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. When they saw the man hurting, they walked on the other side of the street. No compassion, no heart for people hurting. There's a world that's in grief. And the church, if I can use my term from last night, and the church is yelling about how it's not a real virus and how it's not blah, 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 blah. And the church and the world is grieving the entire world from this thing. So you can be flip all you want. But God wants us to be compassionate. And does he have to do you like he did me? Does he have to allow for you to get it for you to finally have compassion for those who either had it or those who lost relatives to it? That's what he, that's what happened with me. I'm not saying he has to do that with you. You better pray he doesn't. You don't want this thing. By the grace of God, I'm telling you, I work out six days a week. And, and even during COVID, I was, I was trying to get on the treadmill because uh, I had to build my, you know, my lungs back up. And, you know, cause it attacks the lungs. I had to build my lungs back up. And, you know, I was doing some sprints and I was like, oh, I said, I'm about to die right now. Oh my God. Oh. And then every day I just, I was at it. I was at it. Mm, mm, mm. Then when, then when I was done, when it was over, I went to my doctor to get confirmation. Just like Jesus told the lepers, now go show yourself to the priest. And I went to the doctor. He said, breathe. I, was like, mm, I almost sucked in the whole room. Like, mm. And he said, your lungs are outstanding. That's only by the grace of God. So now. No longer am I up being flip about it. Now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no it's not what you think I, I i'm out of time because yeah i know y'all want y'all a little free time and and doggone it i it's oh boy uh, now now see so now they said they said okay pastor matt you you heard that and there was something like, man, I wanted to get in a softball game, man. <laughs> okay, okay. I've mean, I only got a little bit, little, little bit more to go, just a little bit. So, so that was the, that's the whole thing that we have to look at this thing. Now, <clears throat> look at verse 6, the first part of verse 6. I, I read verse 6, and we go from there. Then the young man who told him said, uh, let me make sure I'm, at, no, I'm in 2 Samuel. Sorry about that. Okay, here we go. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Okay, I mean, can you imagine this scene? Men were weeping so hard, seeing their homes burned down. No trace of their families. They didn't know whether their families were alive or dead, you know. They were on the ground crying, throwing dust in the air. You remember I said they were very demonstrative. No wonder this verse said that David was greatly distressed to see this. The Hebrew word for distress is yatzar, and it means to be pressed, to be narrowed. It means to be vexed. Not only was David greatly vexed over seeing his, uh, this sad scene, but the men talked about stoning him. Now, this was a foolish response. Now, I'll, I just want to say this so we can understand. So often when we're grieving, we're in distress. We will make foolish decisions, irrational decisions. Now, what will stoning David do? They needed David's leadership. More than anything. And they talked about stoning them. So that lets us know when we're grieving, we're making rational decisions. Here's the thing. Never make a major decision when you are grieving. You're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to make a decision that's irrational. You know, this is why you always got to rein in your wives. They're very emotional and they get and they get stirred up and riled up. And, and we need to do this. We need to move closer to my family. And, you know, they do all that kind of mess. They're, they're grieving. They're upset over something. We, you need to get out of the military right now. And you need to, you know, and they just, and then they, you know, I told you, we're, we're the head. But the woman is the neck that turns the head. So, you know, so, so then they, they, they got you riled up. And then you are talking to me. I'm telling you, you make a decision during this time, it's not going to be right. I've seen families turn on each other when grief comes their way, fighting at funerals, bad feelings at the family dinner they call the repast, shouting, fighting, ignoring each other taking place. This is called displaced anger by the experts. Because this verse said that they thought about stoning David because the soul of all of the people were grieved or bitter, every man for his sons and his daughters. So because they were angry and bitter over losing their families, they said, let's stone David. That sounds like the best idea to do. (laughs) He is to blame. Man, David, if we went out fooling around with you, man, with them Philistines and stuff, and those Amorites and all these folks, man, our families will still be here. How did David handle this? Notice the second part of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. The Hebrew word for strengthen is Kazakh, and it means to be strong, to be courageous, uh, to encourage. And this is how we conquer grief. We have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. This is what we must do to reclaim all that was taken away from our enemy, Satan. As we can see, David couldn't depend upon his men. They were so angry and bitter and grief stricken that they talked about stoning him. There was no one to wipe his tears And say, David, it's going to be okay. There was no one there to do that. You know, there are times by which God allows for people to come alongside of us during our grief. And, you know, and they they are great help for us, a great encouragement to us. But there are times where God wants us to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We must learn how to go to God in prayer, search the scriptures for comfort in his word, because God knows how our tendencies is to depend upon people too much. The experts, once again, call it codependency. And there's too much codependency that occurs even in the church. And God doesn't want us to be uh, uh, dependent on man. He wants us to be dependent on him. So how did David encourage himself in the Lord? Well, you got to wait until the next session. (laughs) Let me let me conclude with this. Because you 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 got a baseball to hit or a nap to get. and That's okay. In, In this first part of the message, overcoming grief, we saw how tragedy and grief came into the life of David and his men. We saw how God would allow grief to come into our lives in order for us to comfort those around us going through grief with the same comfort we receive from God. We also saw how God's people are not exempt from experiencing grief because David, a man after God's own heart, experienced it. Finally, there are times that God will remove all human comfort to force us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Learn how to pray through your grief, how to look for comfort in the scriptures like David is going to show us in the next session. And here's the temptation, getting angry and bitter towards people. Watch this for not being there for you. Hey, man, you, oh man, you know, just let me know if you need me for anything. You know, ring, ring. Uh, you, I need you, bro. Well, <laughs> well, you, well. I can't come this time, you know, but and then getting angry and bitter because they were not with you during your time of grief. That is a huge temptation that we have to guard our hearts from. And there are times where God will, you know, remove them to teach us how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for. Your goodness towards us, your great love. Lord, we just pray, Lord, because all of us are either going through grief. We're in the midst of grief or we just came out of grief. And so, Lord, I just pray that you comfort us. Lord, grant us the compassion needed. To comfort this hurting world, this world is grieving. And I pray that we will care that they are grieving and we will comfort them with the same comfort by which we have been comforted by you. So, Lord, I pray your blessings upon us. Let us meditate on you. Let us encourage ourselves in the Lord during this free time. And Lord, let us look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you.